Chapter 13 of The Way of Perfection by St. Teresa of Avila. This is a Discerning Hearts recording read by Chris McGregor. The Way of Perfection by St. Teresa of Avila. Translated and edited by E. Allison Pierce. I often tell you, sisters, and now I want it to be set down in writing, not to forget that we in this house, and for that matter, anyone who would be perfect, must flee a thousand leagues from such phrases as, I had right on my side. They had no right to do this to me. The person who treated me like this was not right. God deliver us from such a false idea of right as that. Do you think that it was right for our good Jesus to have to suffer so many insults and that those who heaped them on him were right and that they had any right to do him those wrongs? I do not know why anyone is in a convent who is willing to bear only the crosses that she has a perfect right to accept. Such a person should return to the world, though even there such rights will not be safeguarded. Do you think you can ever possibly have to bear so much that you ought not to have to bear any more? How does right enter into the matter at all? I really do not know. Before we begin talking about not having our rights, let us wait until we receive some honor or gratification or are treated kindly, for it is certainly not right that we should have anything in this life like that. When, on the other hand, some offense is done to us, and we do not feel it an offense to us that it should be so described, I do not see what we can find to complain of. Either we are brides of this great king, or we are not. If we are, what wife is there with a sense of honor who does not accept her share in any dishonor done to her spouse, even though she may do so against her will? Each partner, in fact, shares in the honor and dishonor of the other. To desire to share in the kingdom of our spouse, Jesus Christ, and to enjoy it and yet not be willing to have any part in his dishonors and trials is ridiculous. God, keep us from being like that. Let the sister who thinks she is accounted the least among all consider herself the happiest and most fortunate, as indeed she really is, if she lives her life as she should, for in that case she will, as a rule, have no lack of honor either in this life or in the next. Believe me when I say this. What an absurdity, though it is for me to say, believe me when the words come from him who is true wisdom, who is truth itself, and from the queen of the angels. Let us, daughters, in some small degree, imitate the great humility of the most sacred virgin, whose habit we wear and whose nuns we are ashamed to call ourselves. Let us at least imitate this humility of hers in some degree. I say, in some degree, because however much we may seem to humble ourselves, we fall far short of being the daughters of such a mother and the brides of such a spouse. If, then, the habits I have described are not sternly checked, what seems nothing today will perhaps be venial sin tomorrow. And that is so infectious a tendency that, if you leave it alone, the sin will not be the only one for long. 
and that is a very bad thing for communities. We who live in a community should consider this very carefully so as not to harm those who labor to benefit us and to set us a good example. If we realize what great harm is done by the formation of a bad habit of overpunctuallessness over our honor, we should rather die a thousand deaths than be the cause of such a thing. For only the body would die, whereas the loss of a soul is a great loss which is apparently without end. Some of us will die, but others will take our places, and perhaps they may all be harmed more by the one bad habit which we started than they are benefited by many virtues. For the devil does not allow a single bad habit to disappear, and the very weakness of our mortal nature destroys the virtues in us. Oh, what a real charity it would be, and what a service would be rendered to God if any nun who sees that she cannot endure and conform to the customs of this house would recognize the fact and go away before being professed, as I have said elsewhere, and leave the other sisters in peace. And no convent, at least if it follows my advice, will take her or allow her to make her profession until they have given her many years probation to see if she improves. I am not referring to the shortcomings affecting penances and fasts, for although these are wrong, they are not the things which do so much harm. I am thinking of nuns, who are of such temperament that they like to be esteemed and made much of, who see the faults of others but never recognize their own, and who are deficient in other ways like these, the true source of which is want of humility. If God does not help such a person by bestowing great spirituality upon her until after many years she becomes greatly improved, may God preserve you from keeping her in your community. For you must realize that she will never have peace there herself, nor allow you to have any. As you do not take dowries, God is very gracious to you in this respect. It grieves me that religious houses should often harbor one who is a thief and robs them from their treasure, either because they are unwilling to return a dowry or out of regard for the relatives. In this house, you have risked losing worldly honor and forgone it, for no such honor is paid to those who are poor. Do not desire, then, that others should be honored at such a cost to yourselves. Our honor, sisters, must lie in the service of God, and if anyone thinks to hinder you in this, she had better keep her honor and stay at home. It was with this in mind that our fathers ordered a year's probation, which in our order we are free to extend to four years. Personally, I should like it to be prolonged to ten years. A humble man will mind very little if she is not professed, for she knows that if she is good, she will not be sent away. And if she is not, why should she wish to do harm to one of Christ's communities? By not being good... I do not mean being fond of vanities, which I believe, with the help of God, will be a fault far removed from the nuns in this house. I am referring to a want of mortification and an attachment to worldly things and to self-interest in the manner which I have described. Let anyone who knows she is not greatly mortified take my advice and not make her profession if she does not wish to suffer a hell on earth 
and grant that there may not be another hell awaiting such a nun in the world to come. There are many reasons why she should fear there may be this. And possibly neither she nor her sisters may realize this as well as I do. Believe what I say here. If you will not, I must leave it to time to prove the truth of my words. For the whole manner of life we are trying to live is making us not only nuns, but hermits, like the Holy Fathers, our predecessors, and leading us to detachment from all things created. I have observed that anyone whom the Lord has specially chosen for this life is granted that favor. She may not have it in full perfection, but that she has it will be evident from the great joy and gladness that such detachment gives her, and she will never have any more to do with worldly things, for her delight will be in all the practices of the religious life. I say once more that anyone who is inclined to the things of the world should leave the convent, if she sees she is not making progress. If she still wishes to be a nun, she should go to another convent. If she does not, she will see what happens to her. She must not complain of me as the foundress of this convent and say I have not warned her. This house is another heaven, if it be possible to have heaven upon earth. Anyone whose sole pleasure lies in pleasing God and who cares nothing for her own pleasure will find our life a very good one. If she wants anything more, she will lose everything, for there is nothing more that she can have. A discontented soul is like a person suffering from severe nausea who rejects all food, however nice it may be. Things which persons in good health delight in eating only cause her the greater loathing. Such a person will save her soul better elsewhere than here. She may even gradually reach a degree of perfection which she could not have attained here because we expected too much of her all at once. For although we allow time for the attainment of complete detachment and mortification in interior matters, in externals this has to be practiced immediately because of the harm which may otherwise befall the rest. And anyone who sees this being done and spends all her time in such good company and yet at the end of six months or a year has made no progress, well, I fear, make none over a great many years and will even go backward. I do not say that such a nun must be as perfect as the rest, but she must be sure that her soul is gradually growing healthier and it will soon become clear if her disease is mortal.' 